record. Okay, so my apologies for those who will listen to this later. I forgot to uh, stream and record, so now I caught it. Uh, I was just giving a recap of what we've heard so far. And so without further ado, I will get into it. So. Om Ajnana Timirandhasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Namashrishtam Manumapisati Putra Matraswarupam Rupam Tasyagrajam Murupurin Mathurin Goshtavating Radha Kundam Girivuramahu Radhika Madhavasham Rapto Yasya Patita Kripaya Shri Gurung Tang Natusmi Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Yena Putale Swayam Rupa Kadam Dadati Swapadantikam Vairagya Vidya Nijapakti Yoga Shikshartameka Purusha Purana Shri Krishna Chaitanya Shariradhari Kripam Buddhiriyastamaham Prapadye He Krishna Karuna Sindho Dinabandho Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Taptakanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavanishuri Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for showing up to the fifth and final installment of our short series on Sri Radha, the glories of Radha. Uh, so today I, uh, we come finally to the Leela section, which I have been mentioning we were going to get to and um, so today we're we're um, I'm drawing this from the Govinda Lilamrita of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami so this is a, a book that is describing the Aprakat um, Lila the unmanifest Lila so it's just it doesn't it goes from Krishna's it doesn't it doesn't include the birth leelas and it doesn't have krishna leaving vrindavan to go to Mathura or any of that so it's just krishna gets up in the morning and goes through his day um and so this is as guru Maharaj has described it a day in the life in eternity of of the absolute <laughs> um and of course there are different descriptions of this day in the life or or uh, of the Ashtakalya Leela, the Eightfold Leela. There's this one, there's also by Vishwanath Chakravarti and there are, there are others. And um, um, This is probably one of the better known ones. And it's a personal favorite of mine because Kaviraj Goswami's, you know, the way he tells the story is very, very poetic. And sometimes his Sanskrit is just <laughs> amazing. Um, so, I wanted to discuss the a particular pastime at the midday, and specifically at Radha Kund. And so, well, one 
may immediately think, wow, that's really high stuff, very intimate. And, um, and it is. Um, but the reason I chose that particular Lila is because it includes the, the Priyanarma Sakas. And so uh, considering um, uh, the, the nature of the Sangha we have, I like to um, <laughs> um, show how they, they figure in, even, even at these, uh, in these very, very intimate Lilas during the midday at, at Radhakund. So, but before we get to Radhakund, so Krishna has taken the cows out as he does every morning after breakfast. And he's wandering through the forest and whatnot. And he's come to, uh, he's near Govardhan with the cowherd boys and the cows. And he, as he does every day, <laughs> he wants to meet with Radha. And so he says, Tata Sakin Aha Hari Saharya Yuyam Kshanam Charaya Tagrahot Ga Aham Sakibyam Sahamadhaviyan Vanashriyam Drashtum Iha Brahmani. He said, Oh, friends, go ahead herding the cows with Balaram for a while. I will wander around in the forest a little with Subal and Madhumangal to enjoy the beauty of the spring forest. So he tells a little white lie there to his friends because. While he may be going to uh, look at the beauty of the forest, that's incidental. What he's really going to do is meet with Radha and her friends. But in the process of doing that, so there's a whole, uh, he's, he's there with his friends and then some other Vrinda and uh, Tulasi, AKA, uh, Tulsi Manjari, with, with, who is uh, escaping me here, Raghunath Dasko Swami and Gorlila. So Vrinda and Tulsi, and I believe Dhanishta, show up and they're having this discussion. Yes, Vrinda, Dhanishta, Subal, Madhav Mangal, they're having this discussion how Radha and Madhava can meet because it's not that easy. And so some days Radha can't, can't get out of the house because her overbearing mother-in-law, Jatila, keeps her there because she's always suspicious about Krishna. And she, uh, as a dutiful mother-in-law, even though she is overbearing, she's dutiful in the sense that she's trying to protect the, um, the good name of her daughter-in-law, Radha. <laughs> and so she doesn't want Radha to be sullied or uh, contaminated by association with that known womanizer, Krishna. But today, she does get out. And so, a bunch of things happen that I won't go into here, but, um, so while they're having this discussion, Chandravali's girlfriend, Shaibya, shows up thinking to lure Krishna into, into Chandravali's kunj. When she hung Chandravali's gunja string around Krishna's neck, she became painfully disturbed to see Vrinda and Tulasi with him. Seeing Krishna speaking with Radha's dear friends, Shaibya became sad, thinking that Radha had come. So she falsely told Tulasi 
Today, Chandravali will hold a festival for Durga's worship, and she has sent me here to invite Radha. I looked for her everywhere, in the forest and in her home, but I did not find her anywhere. Fortunately, I met you now, Tulsi. Tell me, where is your friend? So, Tulsi could understand Shaiva's deceitfulness and thought, one should deceive a deceiver. So she slyly told Shaibya, Radha was invited by Sham Saki today to attend a festival for the worship of Ambika Devi. Having come there, she was entrusted with all the responsibilities for the festival's execution, along with all her girlfriends. Lalita sent me here to get Vrinda to bring fruits, flowers, and garlands. I will take her there just now. So, even though Chandravali, we know from the Shastra, is the, the, the two primary gopis in all of Raja, Radha and Chandravali, um, when Chandravali and her camp try to bring Krishna there, sometimes he won't go, and sometimes he does go. But on this particular day, he was only interested in meeting with Radha, and so they cheat Shaibya. <laughs> so, that's another uh, example of Radha's love conquering Krishna, controlling Krishna, because he doesn't want to go with anybody else. He just wants her because she's the only one who can truly satisfy him. So after that, they finally make it to Radha Kund. And I thought it was, it would be, um, appropriate to discuss Radha Kund a bit or the description of it because it's uh, if we think of the Leela as a, as a dramatic scene in a drama in a play let's say then there's a setting and the setting for this the Leela that we're going to go over today briefly is uh, Radha Kund of course and so As we know from the Brahma Sanghita, uh, Braj is described as a lotus, right? With these petals, different compartments of the spiritual world reside on each of the petals and they're associated with different people and whatnot. And so just as the entirety of Braj is considered to be a lotus, so also Radha Kund is a lotus with eight petals. And each of these eight petals, um, the petals would be uh, like a metaphoric way of describing the different groves, the kunjas that surround Radha Kund. So the pond itself is like the world, the center of the lotus. And then these kunjas that each of them, Ashtasakis, are associated with go surround the pond. And so Lalitas is in, in the north. And then it goes clockwise. So Lalita, Vishaka, Chitra, Induleka, Champakalata in the south, Ranga Devi, Tungavidya, and Sudevi, like that. And each of these groves is associated, uh, Kaviraj Goswami, I mean, he gives the whole chapter describing Radha alone, just the trees and how it's all laid out and the different swings. And it's very elaborate description. And it's uh, very clearly a uh, an amazing place for Radha Madhava to play out their pastimes. And it's 
the, the uh, midday pastimes take up a number of chapters. It's actually the bulk of the book. And so he takes the most, uh, it, it clearly uh, the midday pastimes for, um, for Sringar Rasa, for Murduya Rasa, obviously are the most important. And so he spends a lot of time describing them. And so each of the, each of the groves are uh, also associated with a color. And I thought this was a fun little detail to just kind of throw in there. Um, uh, Lalita and Vishakas aren't, I couldn't really find a, a description, but the others are um, like Chitra's grove is multicolored because her name Chitra means variegated or wonderful. And then Indulekos is white and crystal. And so depending on the mood of the divine couple, they'll go to these different groves and they'll experience the, the there's a, it's just a, a, a way of uh, having a different experience. Can imagine if you went into a grove that was like all the flowers were white and um, there was crystals and everything was just white, it would be really interesting. And then you go to a different grove, Champakalata's grove, for example, and the Champak flower is golden. So like her name, her gold, her grove is golden. Or Ranga Devi. Ranga Devi's grove is predominantly black, like Krishna. Or Tungavidya's is red. And Sudevi, uh, her grove is predominantly green. And so today's pastime takes place in the green grove of Sudevi. So Radhakund, of course, is you hear about it. Rupa Goswami mentions Radhakund in Upadeshamrita and how it is not different from Radha. And uh, Kaviraj Goswami says, through its great qualities, Radha's lake is as dear to Sri Hari as Sri Radha herself. So, and the reason this is, because it reminds Krishna of Radha in so many different ways, it's very dear to him. So, um, Oh, no. Oh, sorry, I'm just, uh, looks like we got a bit of a technical issue. Yuga Pavan, is it working for you now? Do I still have to set you mm. up again? No, I, I don't have a uh, translation. Still, I don't have translation. Okay. I can figure that out here.
Yes, no problem. Okay. Okay, good. All right, so uh, so um, the two lotuses kind of made me think of this because this is how my weird mind works. It, uh, there's this uh, thing in mathematics called fractals, which I'm sure you're, you're, you've heard of. Um, so basically it means that, uh, or, or a hologram where one small part is reflective of the whole. So I kind of thought of how in the same way that the entirety of Raj is a lotus, Radhakund is a smaller lotus within the, within Braj. And so there's this as above, so below kind of quality. Um, which you will find, and we'll go into a little bit, or, or we'll go into a bit more later, uh, slightly different, but similar. Um, so Radha Kund is dear to Krishna because it reminds him of Radha. And of course, he spends his days there, uh, his middays there from, from the late morning through all the way until the afternoon. So probably five or six hours every day. So if that wasn't evidence enough that, that Radha is the person that he wants to spend time with, as opposed to Chandravali, then, you know, I think you'd have a hard time finding better evidence than that. Now, interestingly, I thought we would also uh, go over a little bit about Shamakund. So Shamakund, of course, is right next door to Radhakund, and they're joined by a, a short canal, uh, a short yeah, canal. It's basically just a little uh, channel of water. And so in Shamakund, there are also, like at Radhakund, there are different groves that are presided over by uh, Subal and Madhumangal, Ujval, Arjun, Gandharva, Vidagta, Bringa, Kokil, Daksha, and Sananda. So these groves are surrounding Shamakund. And Kaviraj Goswami mentions three of them, Subal, Madhavangal, and Ujvala are associated or, or they're, um, they're uh, those, those gopas are surrendered to particular sakis and in their assisting the, the romantic pastime of Krishna. All is his group leader Radha, Madhu Mangals is Lalita, and Ujvala is uh, Ujvala's group leader is Vishaka. So those are the three that are mentioned in the text of the Govinda Vilamrita. So I thought that was interesting, just how how that kind of um, how it plays out, and um, that the Priyanarva Sakas are. They're there. They're very close by. Either they're close by, or they're today. We'll hear they're directly involved in the pastimes of Radha Madhava. So, so Radha and Madhava have finally, through, through so much effort, have succeeded in meeting at Radha Kund, and they go through a number of pastimes before we get to the one that we're going to hear. So um, at the beginning of each chapter, the way the way the Govinda Lilamrita works, um, Kaviraj Goswami gives a 
a verse, a single verse that gives an overview of that period of the day. So um, in the morning, he says, Krishna does this, 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 and this, and this. And then the next period he explains, and then he goes on to, uh, in the entire chapter, for the rest of the chapter, he explains what those um, pastimes are. So let's see if I can find it here. So in his summary of the midday pastimes, he says, I remember Radha and Krishna at midday, full of desire, being served by their attendants, enchanted by various ornament-like physical transformations of ecstasy, those would be sattvika bhavs and others, arising out of meeting each other, being anxious out of shyness and eagerness, being pleased with the joking words of Lalita and other girlfriends. They perform a sacrifice for Cupid, swing, in other words, they, they get on a swing, tour the forests, play in the waters of Radha Kund, quarrel over Krishna, Krishna's stolen flute, <laughs> a fun one, make love, drink honey wine, worship the sun god, and play other sports. So the one we're going to hear today is one of those other sports that he doesn't mention, Kavirajal song doesn't mention here, and that is dice. So now I'm not super familiar with Indian style dice, but it sounds from the description that it's kind of a sort of like a chess board. And then, but there's somehow there's dice um, rolled so that one can move one's pieces. So dice and then Surya Puja. So that's what we're gonna hear. So in this uh, in this chapter, Surya Puja and a game of dice. So uh, Radha and Madhava, and before they get to playing dice, they have um, they have uh, engaged parrots, a Shuka and a Shadi. Shuka is the male parrot, and the Shadi is the female. And they've engaged the parrots in glorifying each other. And so they've heard that, and now. After rewarding Vishuka and Sharika, they wanted to play dice. So they went to the green kunj of Sudevi Saki, named Sudevi Sukada, giving joy to Sudevi. Hari entered the wonderful cottage in the kunj and sat down on a seat with his friends, while Radhika and her girlfriends sat down on the other side, across from him. Madhu Mangal and Lalita became Krishna's and Radhika's respective advisors. Sudevi and Subal sat on their sides to throw the dice. Nandimuki and Vrinda were the referees, and Kundalata was the leader of the audience. Sham took golden, gaur dice, and Radhika took bluish dice to play with. So this, this is an example of, uh, it's not the same, like I was saying before, the, the as above, so below idea, but it's uh, an example of just how the, it, it, I think probably the one of the best uh, visual descriptions I I um, can think of and that I've liked over the years is the Taoist symbol of the yin and the yang. Um, and I've prior to becoming a Godia, I dabbled a bit in Taoism and read some of the stuff, and I liked that that imagery. It always made sense to me and it, it, I found it to be very elegant. And then of course, when I became a Godia, I found that there was a, a direct 
there was an application for that, even though Gaudiya Vaishnavism is radically different from Taoism, the symbolism could easily be applied to Radha and Krishna. You've got the two opposites and the two, you cannot have just one. There won't be a, there won't be a complete whole if there's just one or the other. So the two together make up the whole. And just like, and, and you find like there's uh, in the, in the yin and yang symbol, there is the, the black with the white dot and the white, the black dot. And so I've always considered that something along the lines of like, like Krishna is dark, but he's wearing golden cloth and Radha is golden and she's wearing dark cloth. And so these, this interplay of these opposites is throughout the Leela. And so here again, um, there, this is kind of uh, an example of that where Krishna is dark, but he takes golden dice and Radha takes bluish dice. And, um, that's kind of a philosophical way of thinking about it. But of course, the, the emotion behind it is they're so in love with the other that they, they want something to remind themselves of the other in every situation, at every moment. <laughs> uh, so that, that's an example of just how, um, how much affection they have for each other. So they've got their dice. And for the first throw, Krishna's pet deer, Suranga, and Radhika's pet doe, Rangini, were wagered. Krishna won. Sumato Mangal joyfully bound up the doe and took her along. So I guess they have a, uh, a place where whatever has been won is kept during the game. For the second throw, Krishna's flute, Murali, and Radhika's Veena, Pavika, were wagered. Radhika won. Solita snatched the flute away, although Krishna tried to hide it. Because he's a, a sore loser. Also shows how dear the flute is to Krishna, which we've heard in other, uh, not in this series, but those of us who are familiar with this topic have heard that Krishna, uh, that the deer is the, uh, the deer, excuse me, the flute is the most dear companion in Braj from, we hear that from Brahma Sanghita. For the third throw, Radha and Krishna's necklaces were wagered. Thinking that Radhika had cheated, Madha Mangal said, Shadi Tong Maraya. So he meant to say, knock that piece of chess off the board. Uh, the, ch the chess piece called Shadi. And thinking Madhu Mangal meant kill that Shadika, the, the Shadika, the she parrot named Kalokti, chirped pitifully and fearfully flew up into the nearest tree branch. Seeing this, the assembled Sakis laughed. Seeing that everyone was laughing and making noise, deceitful Hari said, see, I've killed that Shadika, even though he had not scored enough. So obviously if we were more familiar with the game that they're playing, it would probably be, it would make more sense. So apparently when you score enough, you can knock a piece off the board and Krishna is trying to claim that he's done that. And Mongol thought that he had done that and said, uh, kill that piece, basically kill that Shadika. And then the parrot thought that Mongol was talking about her. And so she, she flies away. Uh, so this is an example of uh, 
just this, this Hasyaras kind of pervading the game. And, and as we see, Madhumangal is right there. Then Krishna threw a sufficient score to block the course of Hari's, uh, excuse me, then Radhika threw a sufficient score to block the course of Hari's pieces, a kind of checkmate with her sadis. She laughed and said, I have won. Then they both fought hand to hand over the necklaces and Madhumangal, Kundalata and all the Sakis also quarreled with each other. So this giant fight breaks out over who actually won. <laughs> so uh, Krishna is a, you know, he's a, a bit of a cheater. So they like to cheat each other. When they consulted the referees, Nandimuki and Vrinda, they both said, our minds were elsewhere. We didn't hear what was said. So we decide that your positions are tied. Whoever has won or lost, just throw again and keep your necklaces on your necks. So apparently both of the referees did not want to claim either of either Radha or Krishna as a winner. And so they just, oh, do it over. Okay. Radha and Krishna then threw a fourth dice, now putting their own friends at stake. And Radhika won. Madhu Mangal became afraid, thinking, now they'll take me away. He slyly moved the dice around over the board, trying to conceal Govinda's low score. And Radha and Krishna began to quarrel. I have won. I have won, throwing each other's pieces over the board. Seeing this, the Sakis came and bound Madhu Mangal up. Thus, a great quarrel arose between them. <laughs> so they can't even play a game of dice without fighting. <laughs> but that, of course, is part of the Russ. So the next verse um, gets into a bit of uh, technical uh, scoring and whatnot of the game. And then they, they um, well, anyway, I'll read it. Why not? Then Krishna told Radhika, by thus moving our pieces, a dispute will ensue. So let's forget the last throw and start again, showing each other the signs of our dice. Let's throw more, deciding who wins or loses by the signs of our dice. There are 10 numbers in this game, and four of them are equal. Of the six unequal numbers, one is called Vamancha, 10. This one is yours also. Then there are five numbers for you and five for me. We can both take as many parts of each other's loons as we score when we win. So this is the point that, of the verse here is that Krishna's, the loser must embrace the victor. That must be the wager this time. So you can see the stakes are going up. First, they're, they're wagering things that are, you know, uh, their pet and their instruments and then their necklace and then the friends. But now it's like, okay, now it's getting, Interesting. Now they're wagering kisses and, and whatnot and embraces. Uh, so then Radhika threw and scored 10, which is perfect score. Seeing this, the Sakis blissfully laughed. Pretending to be morose, Krishna said, now you can take 10 of my limbs, namely my arms on your arms, my chest on your breasts, my hands in your hands, my lips on your lips, my cheek on your cheek and my mouth on your mouth. Radha told Kundalata, oh referee Kundalate, I won. Now you can take the reward with your limbs. I placed my limbs in yours. 
So she doesn't want to take it directly. She's trying to deflect it and have Kundala to take the, the reward. Huddy threw and scored four plus five. So that's nine. That's a good score. He was very happy with this. So Kundalita said, oh, Krishna, take nine of Radha's limbs, her eyes, cheeks, forehead, lips, face, and breasts. She has become very proud by somehow winning even a little, forcibly kiss her in front of her friends. So Kundalita said, I have placed all these limbs in Lalita's left cheek, so place your lips there. Hearing this, Krishna eagerly came up to Lalita to kiss her. <laughs> then Radhika exclaimed, Dashvamancha, and threw the dice. So Krishna took this as an indication and saying, as you order. So then throughout this, this, this type of Leela, what we're hearing is uh, that there's so many, um, in French they say double entendre, which basically means that there's a, uh, there's a, everything said has a surface meaning and it has a, a hidden meaning, a concealed meaning. And of course, the concealed meanings are uh, Well, let's just say in polite company, you generally don't kiss and tell. Like an example, for, exa for example, would be um, an example I was thinking of earlier, which isn't in this pastime. But uh, so let's say Radha and Krishna, after they've been alone in the kunj together, and then Krishna will, and Radha, when they go out before the sakis again, Krishna will start to tell the other sakis what he and Radha were just doing. And this embarrasses Radha no end. Um, so generally speaking, in polite company, you don't kiss and tell. You don't, you know, you don't tell your friends what you do with your, with your, in, 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 in your intimate pastimes with your, with your significant other. It's generally not considered, you know, uh, considered poor taste. Now, Krishna does it, of course, because it increases his, he likes to see that embarrassment and all the arguments that will, ensue from that um but the general rule in 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 love and in especially in indian aesthetics is that we hear this from the bhagavatam that parokshavad indirect speech is considered more uh more relishable than direct speech and so you'll have all these all these types of uh statements where they say one thing but they actually mean something else and um so Radha says, Dasha Vamancha, and then uh, the verse Kaviraj Goswami explains what's actually being said there. So Dasha can mean 10, but it can also mean bite. So then, so Radha said, she threw the dice, Dasha Vamancha. And so there's, uh, the external meaning is, is referring to the dice and the score and the game of dice that's going on, but then the internal meaning is so he went to kiss the Lita uh, because the, the Dashava Mancha can refer to that. Uh, 
because her left cheek vama, so dasha vamancha. So Sanskrit is very flexible like that, that uh, one word can have many meanings. And so you can get so many different meanings out of a single statement or sentence. Um, so when Krishna went to Kisalita, she got angry and became averse to the game, rebuking Krishna and Kundalata. Krishna told Radha, you always win. Now take my limbs. So Krishna began to kiss all of Radha's limbs, causing her to re rebuke him with crooked, restless eyes and unclear words, giving him great joy with her crying mixed with laughter and her knitted eyebrows as she curbed him with both hands. So he goes to kiss her. She's stopping him and she's flustered and can't speak clearly and whatnot. And... This is another aspect of, of the, um, the romantic Leela, the Rasa that comes from this is that um, the heroine, if the heroine makes herself too available and too easily attainable, then there's less Rasa, it reduces the Rasa. And so even when they're together at Radha Kund and Krishna's going to, she doesn't just say, okay, come and kiss me. She's like, no, no, no. She's always oppositional. Um, and she's, so this is her vamya nature, that, that domineering um, nature, and it's uh, it's considered in in love sports, uh, in Indian aesthetics, it's considered bad form if the heroine makes herself too easily conquerable, so to speak, or too easy to to win over. And so she she remains oppositional, and this of course just increases Krishna's thirst. So while they played dice like this, Sharika, a female parrot named Sukshmati, suddenly came and said, Jatila is coming from Braj. Hearing this, Radhika and Achuta became scared and quickly took everyone along to a kunj named Kunjainara, a few miles northwest of Radha Kund. Kundalata kept Krishna there and went with Radha to the sun temple. When they came there, Jatila asked Radha, why are you so late? Kundalata said, I could not find any Brahmin to do the puja, although I looked everywhere. The young gopis had already taken away all the young Brahmin boys yesterday. Only one young Brahmin from Mathura, a disciple of Sri Gargamuni, could come. He is expert in worshipping the sun god, and his name is Vishpasharma. He met Krishna in Kamyavan, where he was herding his cows, then he came to bathe in Arishtakund, Shamakund. There we asked him to come with us to do Surya Puja, but Madhumangal, who knows your faults, became angry at your bitter words and forbade this boy to go see you. Jatila said, where's this boy now? Kundalata said, he is looking at the beauty of the forest. Jatila said, bring him here carefully. Kundalata said, Knowing your character, he does not want to come. Jatila said, go there with Dhanishta and tell this boy that if he doesn't want to come, I will give him nice sweets and a big reward and he can take Madhumangal along with him too. Being thus repeatedly petitioned by Jatila, Kundalata and Dhanishta quickly went to get Krishna who came along with them and Madhumangal dressed as a Brahmin, as the Vedas personified. So this is a, <laughs> a great one. So the very person that Jatila is constantly on guard for 
on guard against, I should say, and is trying to uh, keep Radha away from, is the very person who is going to show up and do the Surya Puja. <laughs> and she won't recognize him because he comes dressed as a Brahmin, he's in disguise, and somehow or another, she doesn't recognize who he is. And so much hilarity will ensue. So Jatila honored Krishna when he came, and Krishna happily blessed her, saying, May your son have many cows, and may your daughter-in-law be embraced by all auspiciousness. And the implication there is embraced by all auspiciousness. That auspiciousness is personified by himself. So may your daughter-in-law be embraced by me, he's saying. When he began the worship, Krishna said, Krishna said What is the name of your daughter-in-law? Jatila said, Radha, upon which Krishna became astonished and said, is she that qualified girl whose chastity is known even in Mathura? You are blessed to have such a daughter-in-law. Then he said to Radhika, I, I never do puja to the shining incorporeal God, the sun, or Cupid, without being accepted as priest, so you must accept me. You see, I never touch women, so touch this kusha grass and repeat after me, an inner meaning. This sacrifice cannot be accomplished with clothes on, so you must take off all your clothes. I am the Lord of all women. You should play with me with your kusha sharp nails. So this is a great example of the, saying one thing to, de to deceive Jatila on the surface, when in fact, there's this inner meaning that's only for them. So he tells her to say, I accept Vishwasharma, whose dynasty bestows fortune on the world, and who is more pure and learned, and who is most pure and learned as my priest. The second meaning, I accept Krishna, whose name purifies the world, who is most learned in the art of Eros, and who gives joy to the world as mine. <laughs> I offer my obeisances. This is a, uh, oh, Krishna is still speaking. He's saying, telling Radha what to say. I offer my obeisances to the sun god, Mitra, means friend, who is the friend of the lotuses who appeared before me, destroying the darkness with his splendor and who is brightly red in the morning and evening. The second meaning, I offer myself to Krishna who destroys the affliction of lust who is the friend of the lotus-like gopis and who is very attractive. With this mantra, you offer Arya, hand water, and Padya, foot water, to the golden-dressed sun, who will fulfill your desires. And the pun there is, now offer your body to the golden-dressed Krishna, who will fulfill your desires. Then Maru Mangal recited, Swasti Vrachang Shashvat, be ever blessed, and told Radha, Radhe, to complete the worship of the sun and to increase your wealth of cows, you must now offer some cows to him, to the, to the, uh, to the sun god. The, but the internal meaning is Radhe, now you must offer your senses to the cowherd king, Krishna, to fulfill his erotic sacrifice. With devotion, Jatila offered the priest, Krishna, the sweets and Radha's golden finger ring, 
but Madhava smiled and said, we don't accept prasad from demigods. We are exclusive Vaishnavas. And I am a pure celibate Brahmin, so I don't accept gifts from other castes. I'm a disciple of Gargamuni, an astrologer, palm reader, and a clairvoyant. My greatest reward is the love of the people of Vraj, like you. Jatila whispered something in Kundalata's ear, and Kundalata told Hari, the revered Jatila wants you to read the hand of her daughter-in-law to see what is her future. Hari told her, we do not touch women, but because I love you, I will still look at Radha from a distance. Spread the hands of this chaste girl out before me. Kundalata did this, and when he saw Radha's hands, he began to shed tears, heripolate and shiver of ecstasy. So sattvika bobs were manifest in him. Krishna concealed his ecstasy with his astonishment and said, aha, how amazing. I can see from the auspicious signs on her hand that this girl is the goddess of fortune herself. If she casts her merciful glance, we have our desires for wealth fulfilled and wherever she lives, all is auspicious and opulent. And so that's the surface meaning, but the internal meaning is whenever she blesses me with her body, I am blessed. So this is a really interesting example of, of how in the Leela, they will speak the philosophical truth about things. Like, for example, Radha is indeed the goddess of fortune herself, right? Radha is the, the source of all the Lakshmis. And so he's, Krishna's in the context of playing this whole subterfuge, this whole ruse to deceive Jatila. He speaks the truth about Radha's nature as being the source of the, 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 the original, excuse me, the original Lakshmi. And yet, that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, that only serves to increase the rasa that is happening, that is, that is being uh, played out here. So then Krishna asked Jatila, what is the name of your son? When Jatila told him this, he saw his horoscope. He was amazed and said, oh, old one, this boy has many difficulties in life, but they are nullified by the influence of this chaste girl. Hearing this, Jatila was very happy and placed Radhika's two valuable jeweled rings before Krishna as a reward. Then Subal came and said, Oh, Vishvashanaman, Hari waits for you to come with Madhamagal and eat fruits and milk from him. Because fruits and milk is all the Brahmins accept from lower castes. Krishna said, I don't accept food cooked by non-Brahmins. Gargi, a Brahmin girl, the daughter of Gargamuni, has invited me today and I'm going there quickly. Madhamagal. You can take the food. Madhu Mangal said, oh, old woman, give me the reward for my blessings. And Jatila gave him the golden ring from her own finger. Madhu Mangal was very happy to get this and repeatedly slapped his armpits. Um, that's a, an anubhav of, of uh, Sakyabras. Then, urged by Jatila, he told Krishna, accept her reward, otherwise her sacrifice is not complete. Please take the reward. If you don't need it, then give it to another Brahmana. It will be for the benefit of this avowed lady. Although Krishna repeatedly refused, Madhu Mangal said, I will accept the result of your shortcoming, laughed and bound the two rings in his cloth. So Madhu Mangal picks up Radha's rings. And of course, later on, he gives them back 
to one of Radha's sakis who gives them back to her. Jatila told Krishna, oh Brahman, whenever I am so fortunate that you come to Vraj, then please perform the Surya Puja for my daughter-in-law and I will give you a big fee. Saying this, Jatila bowed down to the sun god and the two Brahmanas. Feeling satisfied, she returned home with Radhika and her friends. While Radha went home with Jatila, she repeatedly turned her neck, looking behind her on the pretext of speaking with Lalita and the others, just to look back at Murari. Although Radha drank the nectar of Hari's lotus-like face like a bumblebee with the waves of her glances, she could still not be satiated. This made her very unhappy. So the Lila goes from Sambhog back into Vipralamba into separation again. So that uh, <laughs> a fun example uh, of, of some of the things that Krishna, Radha, and their friends do during the midday. Um, uh, as you can see, if you you know you become absorbed in this world, there's there's a lot there. There's and this even this this uh, this this poem is I think two thousand twenty one hundred verses or something like that, and even that is still the barest of outlines of what actually goes on in a day of Krishna's life. And so, um, you can see it's very absorbing, like, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is uh, all day, he's absorbed in, in this Ashtakali Lila of Radha Madhava. So there's a, a nice point that he's a sannyasi, and yet this is what he's meditating on. So it shows that the, the nature of Radha and Krishna's intimate Leelas are anything but mundane and they are supremely pure and purifying so to hear about them of course is um, a very powerful means of of actually entering into them at some point um, when our not just when we are pure enough but when also uh, moreover i should say purity is one thing but um with actual uh, preeti or affection, love, real powerful love that is powerful enough to attract Krishna to us and thus have him bring us into the Leela. That will come about by hearing these types of Leelas and uh, meditating on them. Now, of course, for most of us, where we're at in our daily lives, um, you know, we're not able to meditate on the Ashtakali Lila in any uh, detailed way. Uh, it's nice to hear these types of things, but it's generally speaking, most of us aren't qualified to live there, let's say. Um, but one, one thing that you'll find uh, or is that our conception of, of spiritual life goes from the general to the more specific. Uh, so, in the beginning, we hear about Krishna and Radha and the holy name and all these kind of general tattvas and truths and whatnot. And with Raga Nuga Bhakti, it, it becomes more and more and more specific. So, we first hear about Krishna, 
he's the supreme. Okay, the supreme has Shakti, Radha. They have friends, parents, brother, cowherd friends, all this, uh, the land of Braj. We hear about all these types of things, and then oh, this these different types of relationships. And then so that's a general kind of survey understanding of uh, Krishna and the Padavyom or his 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 uh, specific region of the Padavyom, I should say. And then through hearing and through association, we become attracted to one of those particular flavors of love. And so obviously in our Padivar, um, it's predominantly, as we know, Sringar or Madhuyarasa or the Priyanarma Sakyaras as kind of the window opened by Bhaktivinoda. But then even within that, it'll become much more specific. So like uh, years ago, Guru Maharaj, um, he gave uh, uh, for, for his disciples to start to begin to meditate on the Ashtakali Lila. He, he took those, the eight root verses that I mentioned at the beginning of each of the chapters and he, he had us, he, he put those alongside the, the verses describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Ashtakali Lila. And so, um, so it's one thing to, uh, like I said, okay, so you, we, 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 we um, hear about Krishna and, and as we get more involved and absorbed, oh, wow, there's actually this 24 hours in Krishna's day, just like in ours. And those 24 hours are divided up into these different periods and um, and so that's becoming already becoming more specific. And then within those uh, within those periods, there there are different leelas that pertain more specifically to the mood that one is interested in. And so obviously the midday pastimes are going to be very uh, central for meditating for those cultivating. Uh, Bhava La Srati or the Manjuri Bhav, Gopi Bhav. So then it becomes more specific. And then, but then it's one, so then, okay, so then now we know that there's the existence of this Ashtakali Lila. And then you, oh, oh in each one of these periods, you kind of have uh, uh, an outline of what goes on in each one of those periods. Like we heard that that uh, overview verse, and that is becoming more specific. And then within each one of those periods, now then there's so much more detail being played out. Um, so as, as our own, uh, those details will become more relevant as our own Adhikar increases over time. So in the beginning, um, it's uh, I mean, like Guru Maharaj probably wouldn't advise most of his disciples to try to meditate in any deep way on the Ashtakali Lila because it's going to be beyond the vast majority of us. And, and of course, uh, the general uh, instruction, of course, is to cultivate surrender to the name. And as one moves from 
from uh, sadhana bhakti to bhava bhakti than than when than, than all these more uh, all the, the details going to become much more relevant. And then you can actually meditate on the leelas with uh, the, the details are are relevant to one's uh, cultivating one's bhav or doing leela seva directly you know, in the meditative leela. Um, but you know, for us, it's it's nice to hear these types of these types of details in order to have some idea of what goes on there. And um, the more more details we have in our mind, I guess that's a, a kind of a good thing. Um, just you know, in the middle of your day, you could be commuting, driving down the road, or whatever, and thinking about how God and Krishna are playing dice and during the midday pastime and um that's certainly going to be auspicious so with that we come to a close uh, we're out of time and if there's any comments or questions we can um entertain them now and if not well we'll wrap it up Okay, it's looking like a no. I'll go into Mahini. You have something? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. I just want to thank you very much for the wonderful series. And it was very, very nice to go through also the book you read and all the details about the gopis. I, I really appreciate it. So thank you. You're so welcome. I, yeah, I hope this can help us uh, become a little bit more absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> all right, dear friends. Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful day, night, whatever it happens to be for you. And until next time. Oh.
I think the general idea in the beginning anyway, is that we want to hear the Leela's. Um, and for most people, um, we want to hear the Bhagavatam more than say, Govindalilamrita, because it's going to be um, more relevant to us. And um, so generally speaking, uh, the, the, um, the Prakat Leela is where we should focus our attention. Uh, same with Gaur Leela as well. So like the Chaitanya Charitamrita, how it's played out there in terms of Mahaprabhu's appearance and then his leaving the world and whatnot, and also his Acharya Leela, which doesn't happen in the Nitya Leela of Gaur Leela, but that Acharya Leela is for us. So that's how we can take advantage of the Gaur Leela and actually enter into there is through the example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a sannyasi, even though there is no sannyas lila in the Nitya Gaur Leela. Likewise, um, the, um, the Prakat Leela, Krishna Leela, is the entry point for, shadak, for sadhakas, for practitioners like us. And so um, we, we're advised, generally speaking, to um, meditate more on the Prakat Leela and also in the context of doing that, we want to uh, try to, well, the very first thing we're going to do, of course, is just get a handle on the narration, the narrative, what's actually happening. Like Krishna does this, then he goes there, then he does that, then he does that. Okay, that's becoming familiar. And as we become, become more familiar with it, then we want to start to try to draw some philosophical meaning out of the Leela. So these, these Leelas are, are just Krishna's play, but they're also, because Krishna is the manifestation of truth and beauty. So the sweetness that you mentioned is, is the beauty aspect. And then the underlying truth aspect is what makes it worth pursuing because it's God, it's truth. So when we're first becoming acquainted with the, the sweetness of the Leela, we want to try to see it philosophically and draw the truth, see where the, the, the underlying current of truth is, uh, the, the tattva in the Leela. Um, and, and interestingly, like, like I pointed out in the Govindad Lilamrita, um, and there are times, many times when... Um, when the Brajavasis will be uh, in the midst of Alila, they'll be they'll suddenly like the Gopis will suddenly start start quoting the Vedas or whatnot. <laughs> so it's like even though they're they're the drama in the drama, they are uh, just simple village girls. They are full of knowledge. They all they know the Shastra. They know Krishna's position, but. Uh, and and then so then in the context of the lila, they may speak some siddhanta, <laughs> which is quite. Uh, I always find it quite funny because they're, you know, that siddhanta has no bearing whatsoever on the lila how they feel about Krishna. Even though like they'll be criticizing criticizing Krishna, you know, uh, like there's a pastime where the gopis are saying to Krishna, you know, you cut off the nose of Sarpanika as Ram, 
they, so they like they go through all these different things that he's done as different avatars and whatnot. So they know his position as God, and yet they're using all this information to criticize him. <laughs> so that's the sweetness aspect. Uh, so, but for us as Sadikas, uh, what we what we try to do is is uh, uh, with the help of hearing from advanced devotees like Guru Maharaj, um, we try to draw out some philosophical meaning that we can then apply in our lives. Um, so the midday pastimes, um, well, I didn't really think too much about it from that particular angle, and so I don't, I don't uh, have to think more about it to, to see what the philosophical import of the midday pastimes could be. I wanted to just more share the, the kind of how Radha's love works in motion, you know, um, how, how she interacts and how, how the whole, how the Leela works with Krishna's friends and everything. Uh, but in general, to answer your question, um, yeah, we want to try to see, draw some philosophy out of the Leela if we can. And um, that'll help us, that'll qualify us, purify the, our intelligence so that then we can enter more deeply into the Leela and start to get some actual uh, feeling for the thing. Right. And then we start to move gradually by, by studying the tattva of the Leela, we gradually move from being preoccupied with the tattva, which is not a bad thing, but eventually that'll start to morph into being more concerned with the feeling of the thing. And gradually and, and ultimately we become absorbed in the feeling and the tattva is like, that's just in the background. Um, kind of the way Srila Sridhar describes how in, uh, in this world, the holy name is prominent and and yet in, in, the, in the Leela, it recedes to the background, but it's there kind of energizing the whole thing. So in the same way, the tattva is underlying it, and that's the, the, the soil, as you say, or the ground upon which the Leela is standing. The stage of the Leela is upon the ground of tattva, advaigyan tattva. But that's not what the Vrajavasis aren't meditating on that. And so... Um, and for, for advanced devotees who are participating in Leela Seva, let's say when they chant their rounds, they go internal and they can actually serve in the Leela, then the tattva at that point is not relevant. Just kind of, it's in the background. But uh, for us, it's good to keep that in uh, the tattva in mind. And, and that's why Srila Prabhupada was very, very, very adamant. And this is the general thrust of Bhakti Siddhanta Sadaswati and Bhakti Padibar is just that we want to keep in mind who was doing these things that we're talking about. You know, this is not just some kid hanging out with a bunch of girls at a pond, right? This is God. So, you know, to kind of keep that in mind um, so that we don't mistake or misconstrue what is being said uh, as it being something mundane. Um, but once we have that down, then, yeah, then we can think about these things, understanding that it's God, and, and we can think about these things without being too concerned that it's going to corrupt our intelligence in some way and turn us toward the mundane. Um, but still, you know, uh, the Sridhar Marsh was very, for example, was very uh, pointed out on a number of occasions that, that this, this, these Leelas of Radha and Madhava are very intimate and we should approach them, you know, with all reverence and whatnot. So Raghunduga Bhakti is 
like Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati would say, Pujala Ragapatta, Godava Bungay. So this the path of rag is very, very high, and we consider ourselves to be below that. We keep that, keep it on our head as a goal. But we don't think that we're actually qualified. And by by thinking that we're unqualified, eventually we become qualified. Something like that. I hope that helps. Okay, good. I'm glad it was helpful. Okay. Well, we've gone a bit over time, but uh, hopefully we will all survive. Uh, well, so that's it. Looks like that's it. Well, dear friends, till next time, till I, till Padmanabha Maharaj uh, uh, approaches me for another series. Well, we'll see you uh, next time, whenever that happens to be. Um, might be, he, he's been talking to me a little bit, might be in uh, maybe January or February, we'll see. But meanwhile, we've got plenty to meditate on. So, Dandavats to you all. Sriman Tutahari Prabhu Ki Jai. Thank you. Thank you.